This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And welcome back to the Cooley Jets podcast. It was Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Michael, bit of the mix back. I mean, the Jets are five and two. They beat the Broncos. On the surface, that's all you could ask for. We should be happy right now, but... Given the injuries that the Jets suffered today and, and maybe even the way that they played, I, I'm just I haven't really talked to you too much before the podcast, but it seems like you're a little deflated. So how are you feeling right now? Yeah, it's definitely pretty bittersweet. I mean, on one hand, you know, you're five and two. You're tied for the second best record in the AFC. You got four straight wins. You're four and oh on the road. All this great stuff. But you can't help but feel a little bit deflated after this game. I mean, with all the big injuries, especially. Debrees Hall, who looks like he will probably miss the rest of the season with an ACL. Uh, while you're listening to this, you probably know more than we do right now, um, recording this the night after the game. But uh, but yeah, with the injuries, hey, hey, hey. it could be a sprain. Could be a could sprain. Could be. We did get a break with Zach Wilson, who, speaking of him, you know, not the greatest game for him either. So you know, there are some reasons that I'm not super amped after this game. But the Jets have had plenty of games like this where they lost and they weren't five and two. So. Uh, definitely still great to have the victory, but there, there are things to figure out going forward. Yeah. I don't really know what to start with this podcast. I, I guess we start with Zach. Um, although you alluded to the defense who I was really impressed with today. I mean, especially in the second half, I know the first half, they, they had a few bad drives, but they really closed things down in the second half. I guess we'll, we'll save the defense for later. Let's just start with Zach. Um, yeah. I mean, not, a, not a great game. I mean, it's hard to see without seeing what was going on down the field. And there's nothing that infuriates me more than not seeing the downfield replays. I swear to God, every network does this after an incompletion, they just show the, you know, the line of scrimmage, which you've already seen, or they'll show like a replay of, of Zach after the play or something like, like, can we just see what was going on down the field? Because I think that really explains what was going on because look, coming into this game, Denver had one of the best pass defenses without Elijah Moore. It wouldn't surprise me if not much was open down the field and in which case maybe Zach's performance isn't as bad but if you were able to see some of those replays and you could see like oh look Braxton Barrios is wide open 40 yards down the field and Zach doesn't hit him that changes things and so that was kind of the perception we had last week you came on the podcast on third or on Friday and we're like you know what Zach wasn't as bad as I thought he was from watching the game it's kind of another one of those games where okay we know it wasn't a great game from Zach he definitely didn't play like well I thought he had a few nice plays, a few bad plays, and then a bunch of plays where it's hard to tell without the L22. So with that in mind, Michael, what did you make of his performance today? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's always important to go back and watch it. And CBS broadcast team is just not on it today. Just not good with the replays showing us anything we needed to see. Um, so it's, it's kind of hard to tell. But I mean, 
this one definitely seemed like it was worse than last week. I think just you know, the ball placement was not great on a number of throws and just the reactions to pressure are nerve wracking, you know, sometimes holding the ball a little bit too long, trying to do too much. He got very lucky on that near fumble play at the beginning of the game. That was close to me, a turnover. So uh, again, it's always pending the all 22, but uh, it just, he seemed pretty reckless and not comfortable in this game. And, you know, last week he did have a couple of good plays to save face at the end of the game. This one, not so much. I, I obviously, he made you know a couple of completions near the end, but nothing really too uh, impressive to kind of make up for some of the other mistakes. So we'll see how, to what degree, it looks like he struggled once we rewatch it. But just as of right now, doesn't doesn't seem like he's very good to say the least. And you know, if that is confirmed on the film, then you know that's you know back to back games now where he hasn't been great. But you know, granted. They are on the road, tough defenses, a lot of injuries, all those excuses. But at the same time, you know, you do want to see the development and the progression at some point because there's going to kind of come a time where the Jets can't win by scoring 16 points. They can't win by getting 100 passing yards. So uh, when those games come, Wilson is obviously going to have to be a lot better than he has been these past couple of games. So right now, luckily, it hasn't cost the Jets too much, but uh, there's definitely still quite a bit of room for growth for Zach. Uh, yeah, I don't really disagree with anything you really said there. I mean, I think the only the only caveat I would give is, like, look, this is one of the best pass defenses in the NFL. And then obviously, no Elijah Moore. Obviously, the Jets would have, would have liked to, to have him today. Ironically, this seems like one of the games that he may have had his breakout game in. I mean, Denver has a great pass defense, but when Brees went out, when Corey Davis went out, the, towards the end of the game, when Mims went out, like, when you really needed Elijah Moore and then he wasn't there. Um, and we'll talk about Elijah a little bit later in this podcast, but, but yeah, I mean, Zach wasn't great. I, I think, you know, he had, he had an excellent fourth quarter against Pittsburgh and overall, I would say, you know, a solid game against Pittsburgh. I thought he had a great game against Miami, even if he didn't light up the box score, the Packers game wasn't, I, I think the Packers and in this game are, are fairly similar where it's like, not a good game, but did what he needed to to win. I, I think this game was probably slightly better than the Packers game, especially considering the matchup on the road without, you know, ABT, without Corey, without Elijah, without Brees. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, you don't, you don't want to be too much of a, of a Zach Wilson truther to the point where you're like excusing every little bad play. He definitely had bad plays in this game, but at the same time, I also feel like I'm not ready to give up on him. I mean, how do you feel about Zach Wilson's development through four games that we, that we've seen him this year? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely way too early to give up on him. I mean, this was essentially the last game of his rookie season, if you consider it was his 17th start. So, I mean, I'm definitely nowhere near even remotely close to give up on him status. But, but at the same time, I think, you know, it is fair to say, like, first couple of games, I don't think they won, quote unquote, in spite of him. You know, Steelers game fourth quarter was amazing. Steelers they game they him. won because of him. They needed him to carry them in the fourth quarter. And, and, you know, part of the reason they were in that hole was because he didn't have the greatest start. But when they needed him to come through, yeah. he was – Yes, yes, he had some tough plays. When they needed him to come through, he definitely was amazing in that fourth quarter. Then Dolphins game, you know, low volume of attempts, had some good defensive run game. But when he did throw the ball, he was extremely efficient. Great decisions, great ball placement. Uh, he was – very solid in that game. One of the most consistent games yes. I've seen from him. Um, then these last two games, you know, again, tougher circumstances and all that. But, you know, Packers game, 
didn't really have too many big time plays. And then, you know, again, separation wasn't great and all that, but not the best ball placement. A couple of throws were a little dangerous, maybe lucked out that those weren't picked. Uh, and then this game, you know, I hate to always say that you have to go back and watch it every single time, but, but you really do. Because, it's true though. Because it, when you're watching it live, it's like, first of all, you only watch it one time, the majority of them. You sometimes get replays, but even when you do, sometimes they're not the greatest. So for all intents and purposes, you watch it one time and you're emotional, you're in the game, you're not really watching everything. You can't see the routes. So it's really hard to gauge anything, but uh, it definitely didn't seem like the greatest game to say the least. There was, and I really just, the biggest thing that I can say right now without rewatching it is just the reactions to the pressure, I think can be better. I think there are times where, you know, sometimes he's a little too confident in his ability to, you know, evade tacklers and extend plays. And he puts himself in some really dangerous positions, you know, not just in a ball security sense, but also in a, you know, self-protection sort of uh, sort of sense, because, you know, we want him to be healthy. And a lot of that is on the O-line, but the quarterback also has some control over his own protection. And he puts himself in a lot of situations where not only does he take a hit, he doesn't need to, but a lot of really awkward hits with just the way that, you know, he's going backwards, he's spinning. And, you know, granted, it's awesome that he could do that. And it creates a lot of opportunities that Joe Flacco, that a lot of quarterbacks in the league can't create. But uh, right now there's a lot of ugly results out of that. And he's also putting himself in some danger. So I think he can achieve a better balance of, you know, when to pull it out, you know, try to make something happen and when to just, you know, throw the ball away, live for the next down. Or also I think, you know, operate from within the pocket, you know, step up instead of stepping out. Uh, there, there was one play where there was a rusher coming off the edge. I think it was a blitz from the slot or something like that, but he did have a tight end there to pick him up and he could have, you know, stepped up and remained in the pocket, but he's just so confident. He runs towards that guy and he does beat him to the edge and evade him. But at the same time, you know, you're cutting the field in half. You're making yourself have to throw in the run. You know, you're taking away the options on the backside of the field. So think there could be some better poise and reaction to the pressure but uh but we'll see what happens going forward hopefully Elijah Vera Tucker is okay that's a huge one um and the offensive line is you know starting to build some continuity with those five guys together so hopefully they can continue to do that but uh but there's definitely a lot for Zach to learn but at the same time it's you know this was just the 17th game of his career essentially one rookie season so uh he's, he's got plenty of time isn't this crazy that this is a post-game victory podcast? They've won four in a row, Michael, and you sound depressed right now. I mean, like, I get why, and we're going to get to it in a second. Um, but, hey, I mean, they're five and two. Like, I, I get everything that you're saying. You didn't say anything that, that I don't agree with. Uh, how do you feel about the some of the hero ball plays that Zach, play, that, that Zach makes? Because, look, like, I was at a bar downtown in, in New York City with a lot of Jets fans, and a lot of times, like, when he'll make those plays, and even when he throws it out of bounds, it's I hear the groans, and I definitely see it on Twitter, where it's like, what is he doing? Throw it out of bounds. And it's like, part of me is weighing, like, look, it doesn't, the end result isn't looking great so far, but like that is the Mahomesian element of him. You know what I mean? Like, but is he getting that, those results? No, right now? not yet. No, absolutely not. Not yet. But like, don't you understand? Like, don't you agree with me that it's like 20 games into his career with missing four starters on that offense? I mean, like, I, I'm not trying to make it sounds like I'm making excuses for him. I'm just trying to say, mm-hmm. I think that that will always be an element in Zach's game. And you would obviously like to see a higher percentage of, of success in those plays. We haven't really seen that that much this season. We didn't really see that too much last season. We've certainly seen some elements of it. He had one play today where 
He almost made an amazing throw to, to Tyler Conklin on third down, but it was a little short. How do you feel about all those plays? You know, like, because it's like, okay, I guess you could just throw it away immediately. But, you know, he even had some plays where he would make a guy miss. He'd make another guy miss. He'd make another guy miss and he'd throw it out of bounds. And I saw a lot of Jets fans, including yourself, that'd be angry at him. Why don't you just throw it away immediately? And it's like, well, okay, but that's the quarterback that Zach is. His improvisational ability, his mobility behind the, the line of scrimmage, like his ability to make those things happen. He hasn't really had anything too positive come out of it outside of escaping sacks. I and mean, he's had a few, you know, good plays last year, but what do you make about that element of his game? Because it does seem to be like sometimes he'll take a 20 yard sack and sometimes he'll just make a bunch of guys miss and throw it away. But the, the hope is that he can develop into the guy that can make a guy miss and hit a, you know, a 60 yard touchdown. And we haven't seen that too much, but you're hoping he develop into that guy. So what do you make about that, that hero ball element of, of Zach Wilson's game? Because we've seen it a little less this game, this season, but this game, I think you saw a ton of it when, when, when AV, AVT went out. So how do you how do you weigh those types of plays in your evaluation of Zach Wilson? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it's just always about finding the right time and place to do it because it's always going to be a part of his game. He's never just going to stand in the pocket all day, and you want it to be a part of his game because it's what makes him unique. It's where he can add value in places where other quarterbacks can't. You know, he can evade a sack or a pressure that you know would be a hit or a throwaway or a dead play for a lot of other quarterbacks, but he can keep that play going and create another opportunity. So you want him to tap into that. But at the same time, you know, there are some plays where you just feel like it isn't totally necessary or he's stringing it out a little bit too much. So it's just about finding that balance. And I think right now he's still really having a little bit of a hard time of finding that balance, but you know, that's only going to come with reps. So I don't think it's something you want to, discourage him from doing necessarily and say like never do that because you know then you're going to eliminate that from his game and limit his upside but at the same time I think there can be a little bit of encouragement to all right sometimes you could step up in the pocket sometimes you could throw the ball away immediately if that's the right play um, so I think it's just about mastering finding the right time and place to do it because you know there are some instances where dodging that pressure is really your only option and I think in those situations yeah by all means go make a play if it's you know stand there and take a sack or try to make something happen then go right ahead and do it but I, I feel like there was I forget the exact play but it was earlier in the game and there was one play where he did do that he dodged the initial pressure I think it was a, a bootleg there was a guy coming right at him so you know dodge him absolutely go try to extend the play but then after that you know he held it for about a second second and a half wasn't really anything there then I feel like at that point good time to throw it away but then he tried to dodge another guy and he spin it backwards and now he's 15 yards downfield almost steps out of bounds but luckily flicks it away plays like that I feel like are towing it a little too close where that's very risky and I don't know if it's worth the the turnover risk and the health risk to to be doing that at this point before he's really proven that he can consistently make those plays outside the pocket because you know to this point he hasn't gotten a ton of great results on those improvised plays as much as it looks like he's capable of doing that we haven't really seen much of it you know actual actual productivity out of that so I think there's some some balancing for him to do but um, it takes time to do that so we'll see if he can master it yeah I think that's a good point we haven't really seen the results from from Zach's improvisation and mobility but you know, it's there. I mean, his ability to make sacks or defenders miss and, and avoid sacks is certainly impressive, but we haven't really seen him be able to translate that into to downfield throws or, 
or big plays. We've seen it a few times, but maybe not to the level that you, you were hoping. But at the same time, given the injuries and given the past events they're facing, you look, you don't want to make too many excuses, but it, it's understandable to why the Jets at offense didn't have a, a huge day. Um, certainly, the loss of Brees Hall could be massive for this team. I mean, uh, that run he had at the, be- the beginning of the game was was huge. I mean, obviously, the blocking was great. Good blocked by Mims. But you just saw a 220-pound man running 22 miles an hour and just, I mean, dominating. And so I really hope that, that that's not an ACL tear. I'm hoping that maybe it's an ACL sprain or something else. You know, I, I really didn't. I mean, the way that he was walking off the field and walking to the cart, you know, you never know. People walk off ACLs all the time. But it'd be a really big bummer if he, if he does tear his ACL. So, Michael, I guess, what are your thoughts on that whole situation? And then also at the same time, I mean, not to be – you know, homers here try to spin it optimistically, but they do have Michael Carter who going into the draft, you would have just assumed would have been the starting offensive or starting running back. And, you know, he had a nice game and, and he's certainly a good player. Losing Brees is absolutely massive though. You can't downplay that. Um, you know, he's the type of guy that you could just ride throughout the entire season if he was healthy and, and take you to the playoffs. I mean, he's that level of player. Um, so losing him in the sixth game of his career or the seventh game, seventh game of his career would you know it sucks obviously so let's just hope that it's not an acl tear by the time you're listening to this you, you'll probably have a better idea um so just what do you make of that whole situation and then what do you make of of carter potentially signing into that that number one running back role oh yeah it, it's really rough and honestly more than anything that's why i'm a little you know not quite as amped after this game but um but yeah you know he comes in he has that you know huge touchdown run which turns out to be the only touchdown of the entire game and you know the the main difference maker of why you won and you know then you find this out it's pretty deflating because he's playing so well recently and just turning out to be that the guy you hoped he would be when you traded up to draft him and like I think back to when he was drafted and you know I was a little I wouldn't say critical but maybe not as you know maybe I just had higher standards for the pick I think than a lot of other people you know just in the sense that you know I thought if you're going to take a running back you want him to be really really good you know not just solid good running back in the second round I thought you're gonna take running back he's got to be great and Brees Hall's been absolutely that this season but you know mostly the past few games he's really elevated to that level you know to the type of guy like you said where you just you feed him the ball and you feel like regardless of if the pass or if the run blocking is great or the passing game is great he's gonna get you yards and he's gonna hit those home runs at a very good frequency too he's gonna give you one of those a game that could just change the entire course uh, of the game. So he really has been that player. I mean, I put posted this stat uh, on Sunday, but he finishes this season, you know, assuming this is the end with 5.8 yards, if it is uh, with 5.8 yards per carry, which is the best in Jets history in a single season with at least 80 carries. So he's that type of guy. He's really special. And I think the home run ability is the biggest thing because, you know, you mentioned it. He had, almost 22 miles an hour on this run 21.87 that's the fastest ball carrier speed in the entire league this season so quite literally he is the fastest player in the league in to this point so far carrying the football so he's, he's very special and I think you know they are lucky to have a, a good backup in Carter who you know going into the draft and after last season we all thought that you know he was a legitimate RB1 and that they didn't need to draft a running back because they had him. And, you know, he is still that. He's a very good player. He contributes in the past game. 
his, his elusiveness is excellent. His ability to break tackles, make the first man miss, but I think you definitely lose that home run ability because that's that's the one thing I think Carter isn't great at. You know, he doesn't have the best home run hitting speed. We saw him get caught up to a couple of times last year. Uh, and even this year, he hasn't really had any any huge plays, definitely not to the extent that Hall has had. So I think that's what you're going to lose. But at the same time, I think you still have a guy who you could feed the rock to, and he's going to break tackles. He's going to get you good chunks of yards. And when the blocking's good, he's going to maximize it. So still in the, a guy you could, you could lean on. But uh, at the same time, that home run hitting ability, I think that's what you're going to miss the most. All right, I, I gotta say, Michael, when we get to the defense, you better bring the energy here because I understand why you're why you're down the offense here, and they but they won, Michael. I mean, the defense really stepped up here. I know we got to talk for the offensive line and the receivers here, but gotta bring the energy when we talk about the defense here, Michael. They're five and two. We didn't see them being five and two. Come on, uh, let's talk about the receivers. I mean, without Elijah Moore, obviously, this was the type of game that maybe he would have had a breakout ironically enough we'll see what happens with him i mean i'll, I'll stick with my guns to, to what i said friday i mean uh I, we got a lot of slander for for what i said but i look i think the jets will patch this thing up i mean it's something to monitor going forward it's maybe something that joe douglas will, will keep in the back of his head we'll honestly what happens monday tuesday and wednesday will really be well, monday and wednesday i guess they have tuesday off but what happens monday and wednesday in terms of elijah moore will be massive uh, in terms of does he rejoin the team? Does he apologize to the team? How does he fit back into the team? What's the game plan going into to New England? But, you know, I, I think that is a situation that they can resolve. And I'll, I think it'll I think it'll take one big breakout game for him to to win over the fans again. And then obviously, you know, at least a meaningful apology or some conversation with the, with his teammates to win over the team again. I don't think that situation is is unresolvable, but it's certainly something to monitor because you can't have some guy like that a player like that who's that selfish and that you know i mean what has he played 17 games in his career and that they, they won three in a row and he requested a trade like I, I don't want it to come off like i'm pro elijah moore here i, I think he did absolutely a selfish and, and stupid thing by requesting a trade this week but i do think there's a road back from it solid came out on friday the day after a podcast and was like we're not trading him i believe him i don't think they just trade him because I think they know the potential that he has. I think they know that if they trade him to another team, he's going to be a great receiver. But I also think that he hasn't had necessarily the production to, to get what he's worth. You know, like he, it's a weird situation where you know that he's worth the first round pick potentially, but he hasn't played like it. So nobody's going to offer him a first round pick. So he'll be a jet. We'll see how that situation resolves itself. They could have used him today, but without him, they still won. Barrios had a nice game. Mims had a nice block in that Brees Hall touchdown. Outside of that, he had a penalty and a drop. Corey Davis went out in the first half and didn't return, but it doesn't seem like it's too serious. Garrett Wilson hasn't really done – I mean, Garrett Wilson's had some nice plays since that Cleveland game, but he hasn't had that that insane breakout game since Cleveland. I mean, I think he had an, a few nice plays, and, and last week I didn't think he was very good. This week I'll have to go back and, and watch the L-22, a, a few nice plays, but – you know, he's been a guy that hasn't necessarily taken over the way that you maybe would have thought after the Cleveland game. And then Jeff Smith got a lot of Elijah Moore reps. I didn't really see him do anything with it. So what did you think of the receiver performance? I mean, again, it's hard to see without watching the all 22, but when you look at the weapons that Zach had, I guess you can lump the tight ends into this. I mean, what did you think of their performance and, and how they were helping Zach out? Oh uh, yeah. I mean, like you said, you got to kind of see the all 22 angle to really know, but I don't know. It seemed like a mixed bag. I feel like Packers game, it clearly they were getting clamped up the whole game. And, and then that was confirmed when he rewatched it. There was not a lot there, especially Garrett Wilson. 
uh, had a really tough time with Alexander last week. Um, but in this game, I feel like there were a few replays that we got where there might have been something there if Zach was a little more confident to just rip it into a tight window. Um, it's just so hard to tell without rewatching it. So I know I know that's like kind of, uh, you know, a little bit of a cop-out to sit here and say that, but I don't know. I feel like other people will sit here and talk about it like, oh, here's everything that happened. Here's my take on everything. But you don't really know until you rewatch it. So I'm not going to sit here and say things that I can't completely confirm so uh yeah it's kind of hard to tell but in terms of elijah moore uh yeah this definitely would have been you know the way things played out if he just you know stayed quiet this could have been his game you know they could have fed him the ball on screens on end arounds Uh, instead we got denzel mims out here catching screens that could have been you elijah it could have been you but um so we'll see what happens um you know i think it's gonna be an awkward situation for from a fan's perspective if if slash when he comes back out there and plays which you know the way things are looking he's probably playing this week um it's gonna be an awkward situation and i'm sure for the team as well i mean likely there will be a large apology a part of it so it's very a very weird situation we'll see how it plays out but it seems like he is going to be back out there just with the way that the injuries are breaking for this team right now so once he does come back out there it'll it'll be a big boost and we'll see how the Jets can use him differently because I think they definitely miss him in this game because, you know, Denzel Mims, he had some good blocks, but I don't remember seeing him open that much. And he also had a couple passes he could have caught that he dropped, he had a penalty. So, you know, injured. Yeah. So yeah, he, he didn't have the best game. He did have some good blocks, especially in the hall touchdown, but uh, and then Jeff Smith dropped that one pass that Zach actually did squeeze in there pretty good. Um, other than that, yeah, you definitely miss Elijah more in this game. And well, that's the thing, regardless of his production, like he, he's still a threat and he wins on his routes and he demands respect. So to have him back out there, as long as he's you know motivated and the team can figure out all that stuff, it, it would be good. Okay, off the top of our heads, just because you, you mentioned a, a specific play there. What were the, the good plays and the bad plays from Zach? And I'll help you out here. But I mean, I think that, I'm just trying to off the top of our heads without seeing the all 22. I mean, I, cause I think there were a number of, of solid plays from Zach and I'm trying to think of the bad plays. He had the miss to Uzama with the pressure on his face rolling left, but he missed him pretty badly. Oh, that was an easy throw. He has to make that. Yeah, Come but uh, no, he has to make it. He has to make, he it. Has to make it, but don't, no you excuses. can't fall that as an easy throw, Michael. Come on. It's not an easy. Throw. He has to make that throw. Michael, rewatch the throw. I'm not saying yes, he has to make it, but don't qualify that as an easy throw with a defender right in your face rolling left. That's not an it's, easy throw. All right. It's not like a layup throw. All right. You could have made it, but this don't. This is not a Zach Wilson excuse podcast. Yeah, but don't act like that's a screen pass. Like, uh, he obviously needs to make that throw, but there's a guy right in his face. If Mac left. Jones did that, would you be. I'm not saying I didn't say it was a good pass. Just picture Mac pass. Jones in yeah, the same it's shoes. It's a bad pass, Michael, but don't act like that was like a layup. It's a layup. It's not a layup. It's yes, it not is. a layup. Rolling left with a guy right in your face. All right. I've seen you throw a football. Let's go to like, okay, what are, what are some of the good passes and some of the bad passes that he had? Good plays, right? I mean, I. <laughs> <laughs> not going I mean, how you thought it would. <laughs> he had a no. Well, I was hoping you were going to help me out here. I mean, he had I a no. Number... I remember the one where he squeezed it into Jeff Smith. Other yeah. than that, I don't remember okay. anything that was like. All right, he got the job done. He checked it. Okay, down. he did have a number of of completions that maybe were like easy completions. He did complete passes. His he short game, did. his short game definitely looks a lot better than last year. I think his ability to to 
maneuver in the pocket. He didn't take too many bad sacks. You know, I, I will say, and this is maybe the smallest praise you can give a quarterback, but I will say his screen passes were good in this game. Yes, so but you, you know what? To be fair, he sucked up his last year, so you can give him that. I think his maneuverability, his maneuverability in the pocket was pretty nice today. I'm, you know, look, I'm not just trying to like be a Zach Wilson truth of the podcast, but like let's just present both sides of the argument. I, you, free to list out bad plays too. I'm not just saying list out good plays. I'm just trying to like let's just try to without rewatching it off the top of our heads. What are the good and bad plays? I even thought like, and I alluded to it earlier, but like the the rollout where he made a bunch of guys miss and he threw it back across the middle to Tyler Conklin. It was just short and third down. I thought that was a nice play, even though it, you know a lot of people were screaming just throw it away. But it's like all right, I mean. He, that was very close to being a 25 yard play where everybody's praising Zach. Um, I don't know. He had a nice throw to Barrios. Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, I don't know. Like, look, it wasn't a good game. I'm just, can we think of specific bad plays and specific good plays outside of just saying he was underwhelming? We just watched the game. I don't have an encyclopedia of knowledge, but every single play. So you're just going to shit on him without having any plays off the top of your head? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's how that works. <laughs> we don't have any bad plays out so the Uzama miss off the top of your head. And you're gonna come out here and shit on him. Come on. There's gotta be other bad. I mean, look, I'm not saying the one to Mims that was behind him. There we go. Okay, keep going. There we go. Like, um that throw of the Barrios looked like he potentially dropped, wasn't totally accurate, although it was catchable. Um do you have any others? Okay, but the point of this is like it's hard to see without seeing what's going on downfield. So for everybody shitting on Zach, I'm not saying that he played well, but like it's so hard to judge a quarterback when you can't see what the receivers are doing. And yeah, I give CBS a lot of fucking blame because you can't see what's going on downfield. They just give us replays of the offensive line, which we already saw in the initial play. Like, I don't know. I don't think he played that well, but I was hoping that we maybe might have some other plays that we could dissect here of Zach's. We could just go right into the offensive line and then into the defense next. But if we have anything uh, specific plays of Zach that jump out to you, um, <laughs> I mean, we not many that, that right jump now. out to me. Okay, fine. Uh, I thought he had, I thought he had at least a few good plays and a number of bad plays. And it was, it's one of those where you just need to watch the all 22, but uh, the consensus for most people is that he didn't play too well. Offensive line. I mean, once ABT went out, it was a shit show. But what what did you think of the O-line's performance? Yeah, it was pretty bad. I mean, there were some plays where maybe something could have been made. I don't know. Other than after ABT went out, it definitely was. Uh, I don't know about disastrous. It was pretty bad, though, I would say. Run game, though, I ah, – nah, once Hall went out. I mean, Carter finishes with uh, 29 yards and 13 carries. Five is as long. So it was pretty rough. I mean, they got some of the, you know, the burial sand around going. Maybe a couple screens were decent, but uh, yeah, it was not the best offensive line game. But granted, this is a very, very good defensive front on the road. I mean, at least, uh, yeah. I mean, they didn't look too good. Without that Brees Hall touchdown, I'm, I'm curious how that, that that this game would have ended. Um. All right, I guess we can move on to the defense. And, Michael, if we're going to talk about the defense, this energy better come up on this podcast because we're talking about a, a post-game victory podcast. And, like, hey, maybe we've gotten spoiled four games in a row, but, Michael, the history of this podcast is a number of, of post-game loss po- – uh, you know, losing po- – uh, Jesus Christ – post-game losing podcasts. So let's bring the energy here. The defense, Michael, is legit. Uh, last year, 
incredibly disappointing from this defense. Didn't have too much talent, but still you were expecting to see maybe a little bit, uh, some of the hints of that Robert Sala 49ers defense that he was supposedly bringing over. And then I think in this game, I mean, in the last few weeks, you've definitely seen that clearly the upgrades in the secondary have helped this defense. I mean, sauce Gardner is about as good as a top five pick as you could have in this league. DJ reads about as good as a free agent signing could have, especially a corner. Think of the number of bad cornerback signings. I mean, you think the Chargers was on DJ Reed. He's been unbelievable and, and sauce gets all the attention, but DJ Reed and Michael Carter, the second have been uh, great as well. Jordan Whitehead is, you know, he's been all right. Again, I have to, we have to watch the L 22 on this. I know he missed a few tackles, but he's, you know, he's made his presence felt, Joiner, the same thing. But as a whole, Michael, this defense is legit. I mean, the fa- I mean, look, it's not like the the the, the Broncos offense with Brett Ripon or Ripon or whatever is that amazing or anything, but this defense finally feels like they have some teeth. You know, they can stop them on third and short. They can come up with the big the big stop in the fourth quarter. They can they can make that big turnover and get that big sack. And you know, they have an attitude they have an identity so what did you think of the defense's performance today yeah I, th- I think regardless of the opponent it was a really good defensive performance I mean I, the, I think the best way you can put it is the fact that they had to carry the team in this game absolutely carry them they you know you get the big rushing touchdown to start the game but from then on it was all on the defense it was punt after punt after punt and they had to keep coming out there with not a lot of rest and be perfect to win this game um anything less than what they gave likely wouldn't have been enough and and they did it they really answered the bell and i like the adjustments too um because you know first drive of the game uh or not first it might have been the second drive but either way the touchdown drive the broncos had in the beginning of the game uh, was their third drive i'm looking at it now but they were running the ball right down the jets throats and it looked like all right they could get tough if they're going to run the ball that way. But after that, pretty much nothing on the ground for the whole game for the Broncos. So uh, they adjusted well to that. I think they had a good game plan. And it started out not great, of course, with that drive. And there were moments where, you know, you kind of thought maybe the Broncos were going to get something going. But I think the game plan worked. They really dared um, Ripon to beat them. I think they played a lot of too deep in this game. It was pretty soft. They didn't really stack the box. And to start the game out, that didn't were great. You know, they were playing soft, daring the Broncos run game to beat them. And they did for that one drive, but the Jets stuck with it. And eventually they started to stop the run without allocating that extra help in the box. And then with the two deep coverage and how soft they were playing, you know, a lot of quarters and, you know, just taking away those big plays, they were really able to, uh, again, eliminate those big plays and just make him dink and dunk down the field. And he couldn't do it because he was just having such a bad game. So, uh, yes, it was a bad quarterback, but I think the Jets schemed around that pretty well. Um, and you, you look at the Broncos' numbers on offense this season, as bad as they are, this is still tied for their season low in points. Uh, so it's, you know, even relative to their standards, still not a great game. And, of course, they did have a couple missed kicks, so that helped. But um, overall, the defense had to carry the Jets in this game, and they answered the bell. And number one plus of this defense easily saw us Gardner and DJ Reed. I mean – what a performance by them and say what you want about the quarterback, but you know, Corlin Sutton is, he's no joke. And they were just deflecting pass after pass against him. And, you know, both of them. And I was saying before this game that, you know, the jets should maybe shadow Sutton with sauce because he has better size to match up with him. You know, cause Sutton is six, four, I think two sixteen. 
He was fourth in the league in contested catches entering this game. So I was telling you that I think, you know, they should maybe shadow him with sauce, but the Jets did not do that. And DJ Reed ended up matched up with him quite a bit. And he was fantastic. He had the deep pass breakup. They need the huge third down tackle short of the sticks. That little uh, had that little two play sequence to force a punt in the second half and some other great plays in addition to that. So uh, really good game plan from the Jets. Good execution by the corners. That duo was fantastic. I mean, combined six pass breakups, three from each of them. That's awesome stuff, uh, regardless of who you're playing. So really great game from this defense. And the last few games, it's it's looked like it's looked like a fully realized version of what this defense can be. And, you know, coming into the year, our expectations weren't super high for the defense as a whole. I think we kind of hoped they could be average, maybe pretty good, you know, because we assumed, you know, they do have some holes, regardless of some of the peak talent they have at corner at the D line. But uh, right now they're just putting everything together. The holes don't look like as limiting as they were prior to the season. You know, the safeties, the last few games have been, uh, if not great, they've been pretty good slash very good. You know, Joyner comes up with a pick in this game. Um, he had a huge game against the Steelers. Whitehead as well had some good plays in this game. So that's not as much of an issue. The linebackers are stopping the run well. The defensive line is stopping the run much better than we expected. A lot of that is Sheldon Rankins, who has been was at a huge bounce back season. So, so yeah, the holes don't look as big as we thought they would be. And then the, the stars are living up to their potential. And that all starts with Sauce Gardner. I think he's exceeded expectations definitely what I had for his rookie year. I think he already looks like the peak version of what I thought he could be. Maybe not even close to that point yet because he's that much potential, but he already looks very close to that with some with the, just a weekly touchdown breakups, matching up with great players. He's clutch. He's got attitude. It, he's got confidence. Okay. It's fun to watch. Is it just me though? Is he grabbing a little bit on, on those deep balls? Like it feels like he has the perfect like amount of, of, of time to like, I don't know, maybe grab a jersey for like half a second. Like he's, he's able to get away with some, some contact down the field. What do you think about some of the contact he has down the field? Because I'm worried about him getting getting penalized because it seems like a lot of those replays, he does have a little bit of a, a fistful of jersey and then he lets it go. What yeah. do you think? Is that legal? Is that him not getting called? What's going on there? Maybe he got away with a couple in this game. There's the one deep ball to Judy. He kind of tugged to the shoulder a little bit. And then the fourth down breakup to Sutton in the fourth quarter kind of – Tugged at the jersey a little bit, but Sutton was also kind of pushing him. So I, I would say if you're a Broncos fan, it's definitely a penalty. If you're a Jets fan, it's not. But um, <laughs> okay, it's probably enough. the best explanation. But no, I mean, I, I mean, I want to say, oh, if they don't call it, it's not a penalty. But then I wouldn't be saying that if you know a player on the other team did it. But either way, I, th- I think there is something to say for him, maybe having a little more leeway to get away with it because of I think his size and his length kind of makes it seem like it's a little bit more of you know physicality just guys going back and forth whereas a more regular sized corner maybe it's a little more blatant when they're kind of grabbing right. so i think that kind of helps well, he has he has like the perfect timing yeah and there's just that the timing the subtlety to it like, like yeah you're grabbing and you're gonna get called for it sometimes he did against miami uh, i think he had one against green bay too but so they will call it sometimes but it's also kind of a, a little bit of subtlety to do it at the right time. And also he gets his head turned around. I think that's where he earns points from the officials because you look at the Sutton play and yes, he did grab and I, I've seen less called for penalties, but he gets his head turned around very early. And I think that's really what the officials look for. And I think he 
buys himself from some buys himself some leeway with that. So it's it's a little dangerous the way he plays for sure. But right now he's getting away with it more often than not. So the results have turned out to be pretty good. But we'll see if maybe officials start to key in on that if they do start calling it more frequently if he adjusts a little bit. Yeah, I think he. I, but like, I guess the point is, is that he's kind of seem seemingly a master of that, like last second, little bit of contact. Maybe grabs the jersey for half a second, but doesn't make it obvious. Um, and gets gets away with it, you know, a number of times. It, it doesn't make it obvious, and and I think that, you know, like you said, I mean, he's about as good as you you could have hoped that he would become, and he's already that, you know, from pretty much the first game that that he played as a, as a pro which is just unbelievable. And, and it is exciting to think about, okay, what, how much better can he get, you know, his second season or his third season, you know, how it continues to grow. And then DJ Reed on the other side, like I said, he doesn't get nearly enough love. Him and Michael Carter, the second are seemingly afterthoughts behind sauce Gardner, but this, this defense wouldn't be anything without DJ Reed and without Michael Carter, the second, because those guys make a number of big plays and not just breakups, but big tackles. And that's something that's, I think radiated uh, among the entire team is, I'm impressed with how good a tacklers that they are on defense. They don't miss too many tackles. I think early in the season, they were going for the ball too much. They were trying to punch out the ball, trying to force fumbles. But I mean, man, this Jets defense, hits hard. And they wrap up and they, you know, they stop guys in their tracks pretty much immediately. Um, as I said last week, you're finally seeing the 49ers defense in New York under Robert Sala, which is, which is encouraging. And I don't know how much, fingerprints he has over the defense the last few weeks or how much of this is all break but regardless you have to be happy if you're a Jets fan with how this defense is playing because it allows Zach Wilson to develop it allows this offense to get a shit together when you have a defense that can play like this now when you're playing a different offense an offense that's not led by a, a shitty backup quarterback it might look different I think next week is a huge test we'll talk about that a lot more later in the week um but this, you know, this defense is playing lights out right now. And I, I think you can't give uh, enough credit to it. I think you would have liked to see maybe the defensive line play a little bit better this game. I don't know if they got necessarily the pressure that I was I was hoping for, but they made sacks and key spots. The linebacker play has been great this year. The secondary play has been unbelievable this year. And I think you just have to be happy with the Jets defense. I mean, this is what you what you thought you were getting when you brought in Robert Sala. And I'll be honest, like this summer, I was a little concerned because the Jets certainly didn't get that last year. And then you're like, okay, how good is Jeff Ulbrich after after the first few weeks of the season? It's like, you know, I see the guy that, that Sala is going to have to cut ties with. But through the first seven games, I don't think you could ask for, for, for many better defensive performances than the Jets have put up this year outside of maybe, you know, the Cleveland game and a few other spots. But Overall, they've been lights out, and especially the last few weeks. Um, who are who are some of the studs and duds? I mean, we'll start on the defensive side of the ball, but some of the guys that maybe deserve a, a special shout out. Obviously, Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed deserve a special shout out. But uh, outside of those guys, who are some other guys that that maybe stood out to you on the defensive side of the football, and maybe some of the other guys who stood out to you in a negative way on the defensive side of the football? Yeah, I, mean, I guess to start with the linebackers, I think they had a good game. I mean, other than. I think a couple times early on, Quincy Williams gave up a couple of catches, but other than that, they had really timely tackles, you know, short of the sticks on third down, stuff like that. CJ Mosley and Quan, I think especially were very good in this game. And by the way, that interception by Mosley, my 
God, how do you overturn that? How do you overturn that? Where's oh the God. evidence? Oh my God. Where if they, the if they had gotten a first down on that play, I, I was losing my mind. I mean, it, just, <laughs> it, like, it seemed like they overturned it and the fourth down was, was snapped so fast and then it was an incomplete that I didn't really get enough time to like freak out over it. But Jesus Christ, the refs, I mean, look, I, the last few weeks we've said this, but the refs in this game were just fucking brutal. Uh, Jet, Jets got some nice breaks. I think towards the end of the game, towards the end of the game, but. I don't know. Oh, you're right. Overall, it, it bounced out. I, I still didn't really see any justification for that. And I'm, I'm trying to be unbiased, too. I really just did not see it. Like, I thought the Zach Wilson play was going to be a fumble. But that one, I, with mostly, That's I did true. not understand. But, um, but yeah, linebackers were good. I think Bryce Huff des- deserves a shout-out. Because, like you said, I think the D-line really wasn't that great in the pass rush in this one. I think the pe- uh, the coverage – helped them out a lot in this game or even bailed them out at times um, because there were certainly moments where the pass rush wasn't quite wasn't getting home as fast as you would like on third down situations I think later in the game they kind of picked it up a little bit more but um, there was a lot of coverage helping them out but I do think Bryce Huff stood out as good in this game he had a huge hit later on uh, forget exactly which play it was I know one of the key fourth quarter plays he came through with a Pretty big quarterback hit. Um, Quinnen, though, I mean, I think does by the standards he had set last week, not quite at that level, but he was very good. The run defense was excellent. Uh, he had a I believe he had a pass breakup in this game, and he also had the quarterback hit to set up the interception to Joiner. So you love those plays where the pass rush and the secondary work in tandem like that. You know, front end you get pressure, and then you get a big play uh, turnover behind it. So Quinnen had that. Uh, so I think Quinnen had an underrated game. It's not going to get a lot of a lot of hype because it doesn't live up to what he did last week, but it, it was another very good game. Um, and then, like I said, the linebackers were good. Uh, yeah, I think coverage deserves a huge shout-out for helping out the pass rush. Uh, wasn't the greatest pass rush game, but when it's all working in tandem like that, uh, things tend to work out. Yeah, I, I guess uh, on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, there's not going to be too many studs, but – I mean, I think Barrios had a nice game. Seemingly, he makes plays every time he's on the field. I got to be honest here. Um, I, I mean, Carter, <laughs> he had a nice few plays. Who are some of the studs and duds on, on the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, I mean, I guess Barrios. <laughs> Greg Zerline. Greg Zerline. Let's talk about special teams. Let's skip the offense. How All about right. Greg the leg? That's the difference in this game. The way he played versus McManus is – that that's a difference in this game period i mean greg the leg goes three for three on his field goals one for one and extra points kicks were not easy in this game at all but he's able to cut cut through them they weren't even close to being misses for the most part and mcmanus cost them four points so that's the difference of the game right four. there oh, um, yeah, and uh and brayden man obviously had a fantastic game. Couple of touchbacks late, but prior to that, I mean, oh, I, I don't know about late. fantastic. He he did have. Come a on, he was good. He was good. He was all right, but then mile high error, he missed. I mean, he had a few touchbacks that you would would have wished were downed. I mean, one he had of the them one. was one of them he was the, really close. He had the, out the one. That's true. He and and then he had that perfect punt. He had the, the perfect one that Eccles downed at the one yard line. So he is very. Did, did they score a touchdown on the drive, or did they? What happened on the drive? I'm trying to remember. I think they they moved, I, they moved it a few times. I know they drove. They, they got decent all the yards, but did they, they didn't they, score. Is that the one that they think. missed the field goal? Is that what happened on the drive, or did they punt? Might have been that one. 
Uh, yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I mean, I think you would have liked overall. I think you would have liked to see a better defensive line performance, but this game was won by the linebackers and their secondary. And also, I think you can blame some of the defensive line performance of the fact that they were playing they were playing the run. I mean, they were going too high in the secondary and preventing the big play. And then on the box, they were, they were filling run gaps and they were going after the run. I think you could blame some of that on that. But, yeah, I mean, you would have liked to see the defensive line dominate this game a little bit more. I think you would have liked to see, obviously, the offense dominate this game a little bit more. But the fact is, Michael, the Jets are 5-2 and two and they won this game. And they won a game where they didn't look that good. They won an ugly football game where they didn't play well, where they lost a lot of starters, where they didn't have really much momentum, where they faced a lot of adversity. And, and look, like I get the mood right now on this podcast isn't necessarily too high. We try to be optimistic, but I can tell, Michael, you're pretty low energy. And I can tell from from looking at Jets Twitter that most Jets fans are kind of bummed right now. And I think most of that is about Brees Hall. But the fact is, Michael, they're five and two entering that Pats game. Did you ever think they would be in this position? Seriously. No. I mean, did you ever think they'd be five and two? So exactly. And, and I think the Jets have a, a damn good chance ahead of them to beat the New England Patriots at home and improve to six and two. So you have to like where this Jets football team is. You, you, you cross your fingers and you pray for Brees Hall's health. I really hope that it's a sprain or something that, that he can come back from at some point during the season. But regardless, the Jets do have a very competent backup. And maybe not even a backup, a guy that you thought was going to start at the beginning of this year with Michael Carter, a, another young running back you can be excited about. So as fun as Brees Hall was, obviously you hope he comes back. It, and is it a killer? Absolutely. Does it does it hurt? Absolutely. But the Jets can still win without Brees Hall is how I feel. And I think that you obviously want to see that big jump from Zach Wilson. You want to see him to continue to get better. I feel like that probably won't happen until after the bye, given that he plays New England and Bill Belichick next week, and then he plays Buffalo the week after that. But then after that bye, they have a number of games where I think you could maybe see the Jets get their passing offense going. I mean, we'll see. I mean, again, we have to watch the All-22 and see how bad Zach was in this game, but I still felt like he did make a number of nice plays. He had that nice little scramble down the sideline. Um, I don't know. I, I felt like, you know, he wasn't – he obviously wasn't good in this game. You know, you don't want to sugarcoat anything, but I still feel like he had a number of nice plays, and I still feel like he's shown enough this season to the fact where where you can believe in him. I mean, through four games of, of Zach's 22, Michael, 22 season, Michael, how are you feeling in terms of his development? I mean, again – we know we have to watch cell 22, but I, I saw some sentiments on, on Jets Twitter. And, and again, by the way, if you're on Jets Twitter during the Jets game, and Michael, I know you're like this. The best thing that I've done this season is I don't look at Twitter during the Jets game, and I'm so much happier. I enjoy the game so much more. It's just a toxic cesspool. It looked like many Jets fans are right about what they're tweeting during the game, but it's just so much nice to just so much better to just watch the game without reading that constant negativity and just enjoying a football game. We look forward to these games all year, and the Jets are five and two. So I'm gonna just enjoy it, even if it's not pretty, even if they don't play well, even if there's questions about the franchise quarterback. I think not looking at Twitter during the Jets games is, is a great call. But going back to Zach, Michael, I mean, how do you feel through for four games? I think last week we felt like, okay, he's had two good games. I mean, one great, one amazing fourth quarter, one great game against Miami where he didn't light it up, but he still played a great game. And then one mediocre game against Green Bay. Again, we have to see what we feel about this Denver game. But through four games, Michael, I mean, how do you feel about his development thus far? I mean, I, I think for me, I don't see the overall negative trajectory over these four games as as being as negative as I think a lot of people are looking at it because you know I was looking at replies replies on tweets and stuff and people are saying like Zach Wilson is bad he like they're saying 
you know, he's been bad this entire season. But I think, you know, this game most likely is going to go down as a pretty bad one once once I'm, I review it. But I think first three games, people are just kind of not giving him enough credit for what he was doing. And we've gone through this a bunch of times already. But Steelers come back. That was amazing. That was elite quarterback play for one quarter when they really needed it. Um, Dolphins game, again, low volume passing, but very efficient, smart, consistent, really good game, despite the low volume of pass attempts. Um, then Packers game last week, not ideal. Didn't look good to watch on TV, but wasn't nearly as bad as I think it looked on TV because the opportunities just re- weren't really there for him in terms of separation. Not a good game, below average, not terrible, regardless of the stats. Um, then you go to this game, and again, we'll see where kind of lands on that spectrum of between, you know, terrible and just below average. We'll see where it lands after we digest it a little bit more, but, you know, probably another at least below average game. So, you know, I don't think it's ideal what you wanted through four games, but at the same time, I think a lot of people are overreacting a little bit to say he's been really bad this season or he's shown no progress. I think those first two games showed you a lot. Um, Third game wasn't quite as awful as a lot of people thought. And this game, not ideal either, but overall body work is, uh, again, not quite where you would like it to be, to be perfectly honest. He has one passing touchdown this year, and no matter how you slice it, I don't think anyone would have been thrilled with that. Um, but regardless, I think just from a process standpoint, there are signs of improvement. You know, he's executing those short passes, I think, a lot more smoothly, more accurately. Uh, I think the decision-making is, in terms of reading the field, I think the decision-making is better. I don't see him missing uh, again, haven't watched this one yet, but I don't see him missing a ton of reads like, you know, passing on throws he should attempt and things like that. You know, there's decision-making questions in terms of, you know, should he throw that ball away or should you react to that pressure differently? Or is that a risk you should take? But I don't know if I see a lot of like him passing on an open receiver or, you know, not seeing a defender who's dropping off the line of scrimmage or not recognizing the coverage that the defense is playing, things like that, which I think to go back to the previous quarterback, I think Sam Darnold struggled with a lot and never really improved, you know, not recognizing a blitzer coming in or not seeing an outside linebacker drop, drop off the line of scrimmage or, you know, seeing a wide open player in the first read and passing on it, things like that. I, I see progress from Wilson in those areas. I really do. So I think the process is improving and hopefully better results come with that. He can get more comfortable you know, throw with accuracy more consistently, throw with better placement more consistently. And like we talked about earlier, you know, have better balance in those improvisational situations in those reacting to pressure situations where, you know, sometimes go make a play, sometimes play it safer. Um, So better balance in those situations can be achieved. Um, So there's still a lot of areas to improve, but I think we're seeing a more stable quarterback than the one we saw in the first half of last year. And, than a lot of young Jets quarterbacks we saw. I mean, he did have his third straight game with no interceptions or no turnovers at all in this game. And, I mean, you know, granted, there have been some reckless plus. plays. There have been some reckless <laughs> plays for sure. But I, I do think he is earning that. I think he's earning that just in the sense that he's not making those obvious turnover plays where he's just throwing an interception right in someone's bread basket. There haven't been many of those. So I think he did it. He did have that really close one that, 
that was dropped by Simmons. That was really yes, but on the replay, pass interference. You could see that Barrios was trying to break out, and here I am. I'm well, but was it was he breaking now. out or was he breaking in? I, I think he was breaking out because you can kind of see he was trying to get that right arm over. He's trying to bring it over the top. I think he's going to get out, and then he started getting held. So then you know, the time was kind of passing at that point. I think he started improvising. But if he was getting then held, then he broke in. Don't you think, I think if he, he was, was getting held? He would have. Look, I'm uh, look, I'm the most optimistic person on this podcast, Michael, between the two of us. But don't you think that he would have broken out if he was getting held? He, he seemed like he was getting held and then he broke it in and was like, all right, well, if you're getting held, you're going to sell it. Don't you think he would have? I don't know. Maybe just the right. fact that Wilson threw it to that spot, too, makes me think that he was trying to break out. I don't see why That's else true. he would throw it there. That's true. I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt this That's time true. around. That's true. But That's true. yeah, I, I would say that's my overall assessment. Definitely not ideal. Like, let's not sit here and sugar-coated i think it can be a lot better and he we all know he's capable of much better but at the same time i don't think it's been as atrocious as a lot of people are making out to be i think he's probably been like a 22nd to 20th kind of starting quarterback this year in a league where being a good quarterback is doesn't take as much right now as it does in most years it's a wide open quarterback totem pole right now you know it's a very weird spot in the the quarterback hierarchy a lot of a lot of uh, fluctuation across the league you know there's a lot of elite quarterbacks falling off and not really many people replacing them so scoring's down passing stats are down so considering that i really think he's probably somewhere in that below average range right now 20th to 24th which is an improvement over last year where i think if you look at his entire rookie season as a whole he's probably bottom three so i think he's taking a decent leap and right now it's been enough for them to win with good defense, good run game. Uh, I mean, sometimes good run game in this one, but not for the most part. On one play, it was a good run. How game. do we? How do you feel? A way he played. I mean, was he? I think he's the guy who filled in for AVT at right tackle. I mean, it's hard to to know on the rewatch, but it did seem like a lot was was getting through today. Yeah, I definitely. I mean, not to say I focused on him specifically for much of the game but it did feel like that right side had some pressure coming off of it I, I do feel like that right side was giving up more than that left side just noticing it watching it at first we'll see how it holds up but didn't seem great I think he had a big penalty at one point as well so yeah it wasn't pretty but I mean that's my Zach Wilson assessment we should all expect more absolutely but I think at the same time there's a little bit of overreaction to exactly how bad it's been i don't even think it's been looking at the whole body of work of four games this game i think was likely bad i don't think it's been awful considering what he did the first two games so we'll see if he can bounce back generate some more consistency um they're going to need more from him going forward with Brees hall out potentially with offensive line injuries with maybe avt missing some time we'll see how that goes they're going to need some more from him and we're definitely going to learn a lot more from him these next few weeks, especially with some of the teams you have coming up, you know, I think the Patriots are going to be tougher than the Broncos. Yeah. Uh, the Bills goes without saying that you're going to have to put up some points if you want to compete with them. Uh, they're coming yeah. out of the bye. You play the Pats again. You play the Vikings. So they're we're going to see the ne- these next few games what he's made of. They're going to yeah. need him to not necessarily carry them, but they're going to need him to do a lot more than he has. So we'll see if he's up to that test. Yeah. How how does how does no Brees sorry how does no Brees Hall change this offense though in your eyes I mean can they run the same offense with Michael Carter or do you think they're gonna have to lean on Zach a lot more Yeah I mean it'll be interesting because I think like Brees Hall gives you that ability to have a one play drive to start the game that could change everything um, 
Yeah, I mean, Carter, it's the elusiveness with him. It's the breaking tackles. It's the turning two yards into six. It's the turning zero into three. I think that's what makes him really good. And I think that type of ability is conducive to being a good you know, lead back, a guy who you can rely on throughout the game. Um, so we'll see if he can do that. I think he's probably maybe a little bit more reliant on run blocking than Hall is, um, even though he's a good, you know, like I said, good at breaking tackles, good at breaking that first contact. It's just in terms of getting those yards overall throughout the game, like Hall can take that one hole you give him and get 70 yards out of it. And that's plenty of production that could, again, like we saw in this one, can be enough to help you for the whole game. Whereas Carter's probably not going to make that 70 yard run. So you would like, and, and we saw in this game as elusive as he is, blocking wasn't great. He wasn't able to get much out of it. So I think he might be a little bit more reliant in the sense that if you're going to get those big plays, it's got to be a, I think he requires a bigger hole to get some of those big plays compared to Hall. But I think his elusiveness still makes him able to uh, make some guy you can lean on throughout the game and can help you get those consistent gains you want to, you know, get good first, second down gains, create a medium second down, create a short third down. I think he's still capable of that. Like we can't forget how good he was at points last year. A lot of us were on board. A lot of us were on board with him being RB one of the future when last season was over. So uh, this is still a very good running back. Yeah. I mean, obviously the Brees Hall injury is a big deflation. I mean, I think outside of this, I didn't really want to say this on the podcast because I was worried something like this would happen, but Outside of the Zach Wilson injury at the beginning of the season and obviously losing some of their offensive tackles, I felt like the Jets injury luck was pretty good. Obviously, that shit changed today, but I still feel like the running game can be successful with Michael Carter and Ty Johnson. Look, Brees Hall is is one of those guys that you could see being one of the top running backs in the league, so losing a guy like that really fucking sucks. But having a guy like Michael Carter is a damn good consolation prize, and I think he's a guy that, like you said, can still keep you in the game you can still run the ball with. I mean, how many times have we seen San Francisco just put, you know, which is this offense is based off of this offense scheme is based off of put no name guy after no name guy after no name guy and put up 120 yards each game. And Michael Carter is not a no name guy. He, he can make guys miss in the open field. He can create plays even when the blocking is not there. So Michael Carter is still a damn good running back. I'm curious to see what they'll do with the, the rest of the depth chart. If Brees Hall is out, how much we'll see of Ty Johnson, if they'll bring somebody in, if they'll, sign somebody back if they'll make a trade who knows what they'll do i still really hope that the Brees hall injury isn't a torn acl we'll see the fact that he even said it's an acl and that he was out immediately is probably not a good sign so not something to get your hopes up about but i don't know it's weird michael they've won four in a row we're five and two why are we down why are we depressed right now is it just the Brees hall is it just the fact that they didn't look too good today i don't know i guess it's just the outlook you know like Yes, we're five and two, but then you think about, you know, the guy who you were riding to these past few wins, the last three wins, you were riding on the back of Brees Hall, and now you're not going to have him. And the quarterback who's going to have to make up for it isn't, you know, he hasn't really shown a whole lot. So uh, obviously we're all confident in him and his talent, but it's, you know, the road ahead is going to be a lot different. The formula that's been working is you're not going to be able to rely on it, on it anymore. So I think that's the kind of, where that juice comes from feels like the road ahead is a lot different than what got them to this point. Yeah. I mean, the jets will certainly have to, I mean, look the, the second half of the season and we're not really at the second half yet. We'll still have to get the bye before we can make this point, but it'll come down to Zach Wilson. I think they'll still be able to run the ball with, with Michael Carter. They'll get Elijah Moore back. So presumably their passing offense will be a little bit better. And that's going to come down to Zach's development. And 
look, uh, is that maybe scary? Is that disappointing that they don't have Brees? Yes, but it's still exciting. This is still a young, fun team to watch on Sundays. And so, like, I, I just think I'm not going to look at Twitter during Jets games. I'm enjoying watching these games, even when they don't play that well. Even this game, they didn't play that well, but it's just still, like, I don't know. It's a, a fun young team that believes in themselves and they pulled out the win in the fourth quarter. I mean, they're a fourth quarter team. Absolutely. Michael, I don't know. I'm having fun this season. How about you? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, you I don't agree. seem like you're having that much fun. I'm not bouncing up and down right now, but I'm still having fun. Do you want to go back to 2020, Michael? When we were talking about the, the, at this point in 2020 on this podcast, Michael, we had like PJ Clark on and we were talking about draft prospects and he threw out Zach Wilson. And we're like, <laughs> who the hell is that? And we're talking about Trevor Lawrence and how they just lost to like, I don't even, I don't even know who the Jets are, the Dolphins. I think they got blown out by, by the Dolphins with Joe Flacco in 2020 this week. So something around there, but it's a good time, Michael. It's a good time to be a Jets fan. Let's bring the energy up. Come on. I had a nice JTS chant at a, at a bar in New York city with Jets fans. That was cool. Got somebody recognized the podcast. That was cool. Oh, yeah. How, tell me about that. You haven't told me. Well, I guess I'm a celebrity now, Michael. I guess I'm a, a Jets influencer. You're the guy there who got goes. recognized. When I went to the game with you, you got recognized like five times. So <laughs> you're the real influencer here, Michael. No, I didn't really get recognized as much as I was like, hey, I you know, I run a podcast called Clear Your Jets. And he was like, oh, I listened. That was all it was. That's cool. Shout out. Um, all right, I guess. No, I, I agree too, though, on not looking at – that's a change I'm going to make going forward. I got to – I'm going to shut don't my look phone at Twitter. off. Don't look at Twitter. My advice to everybody listening to this podcast, don't look at Twitter. It's just a fucking cesspool of negativity during the game. It's not, it doesn't make your, your like watching the game. It does not enhance your experience. No, it makes it so much worse. The only reason I look at Twitter, occasionally I'll tweet something during the game and then I'll try to see some injury news, but it just scrolling through the constant, like, hundreds of tweets of just negativity same old jets they won't pull this out zach wilson's a bust you kill me Brees hall's hurt like it's just like <laughs> all right let me just watch the game can we just we look forward to this all like for nine months eight months whatever and then it's finally here and then we're just going to spend it bitching and moaning it's five they're five and two michael they're five and two come on they, they yeah, set themselves I, up also there. just because i feel like i contribute to it and oh i just kind of, i just kind of make did you, myself did you delete the, did you delete that one tweet i called you out on because i didn't see it did you delete Which one? it the one where i was like you tweeted like throw the ball away yeah, and i was I like did. and i dm'd you, <laughs> I DM'd you. I I was like, he made five guys miss and then he threw the ball away what are you talking about you packed no, but i mean like i just make myself look dumb because like I'm, a, I'm an analytical person i like to you know digest everything re-watch it research it and all this stuff and then i come out with game days and i put out post like that and i just look like a moron so like, i don't think about anything i i'm a very terrible game watcher so i feel like i should internalize that keep it to myself and not text it to people and you know be a moron on the internet so so i maybe going forward i'm gonna uh, just try to stay off twitter and everything we have a, we have a no texting policy between michael and i during the games i don't text michael during the games because it ruins my experience how did you handle this game I'm almost scared to ask you because I, you, you were tweeting a bunch of shit and then you went radio silent. And then I texted you like, hey, let's do the podcast. No response. And then I had to call you and like, all right, fine. We'll do the podcast. I mean, I I was <laughs> one, once like all the bad stuff started happening in the second quarter, like, you know, there were all those injuries. Then they were trailing. I was like, even when they like had that drive at the end of the half and then they got the field goal to take the lead, like I was not cheering at all. I was just completely, completely deflated. 
Then in the second half, later in the game, I got back into it, and I have some loud reactions recorded on my phone. But uh, I did get back into it by the end. But second quarter, I was pretty deflated, and that was when I started checking out. That was when my silence started. Oh, but did you did you make it through this game? Did you get hyped when they won, or were you just kind of like, yay? I did. Fine. No, yeah. Like I All said, right, fine. In the fourth quarter, I got checked back in. I have will some we, good reaction. Will we be graced with any of these uh, these recordings from the game? Did you record yourself this game? Yeah, I have my reaction to the last play. Maybe I haven't listened to it yet. So do you, you want to play it? Do you want players are going to be – do you know it to do that? I might sound like a maniac. Okay, that's good, though. All right. Keep talking. I'm going to try and bring it up. I, I hear it, though. Okay. I'm, I got to find the part. Okay, I'll, I'll keep, I'll stall. Um, I was going to ask you about the coaching performance. I'll, I'll say this. Like, I, I think that the uh, the clock management at the end of halves and at the end of the games is certainly improved. Like, I have no, I'm not freaking out anymore at the end of the halves about the Jets mismanaging games or anything. Like, they clearly have that shit down. Uh, the end of the half points were, were big to take the lead. Get the hell out of here. Let's go. Let's <laughs> okay, go. all right. You sound normal. You still not, is that the end of the game? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. You sound normal enough. There's a few other ones from last week that I was just like concerned for your for your mental health, but <laughs> oh my god. All right. Well, I guess I guess that's it today. I mean, there's not is there anything else? It feels like feels like this was a short one, but I guess we hit an hour. Um, I mean, look, the Friday ones are normally the long ones. So if you're looking for a long pod, tune in on Friday. But is there anything else, Michael, you wanted to bring up? I mean, I guess the, the coaching performance. Is there anything you wanted to touch on there? Is there any other topics you want to dive into before we get out of here? The people love the long podcast. We had a, we had a guy tweet us last week. I, I should pull up the Twitter, but it's probably buried under a bunch of notifications. So my bad. But, you know, he was saying, look, we, we were 90 seconds short of a two-hour pod on Friday. And, and when we get to that point, Mike, we just have to channel our inner Robert Sala that we've we've only hit 40% of what we're capable of. We have 60% right. to go. So, Michael, I think at this point we have 60% to go, which means we have another two and two hours and – 15 minutes left on us or hour and 15 minutes left on us or whatever. Not good at math. Sorry. Um, any, any other thoughts though on this game? Um, so do we ditch the all blacks next week and go to white on black? No, they're not going to do that. Uh, you you thought long and hard about it. I did think about, I was thinking about that too, but you know, I don't think we need our fucking lucky pants. And also we're still wearing those pants. <laughs> no, you're still wearing those pants. Yeah. Yeah. We're still wearing the yeah. pants. I like it. Maybe I think that's all, it. I think I'm, it's the pants. It doesn't matter what jersey I'm it is. so excited for the all blacks. Like it, obviously I want the Jets, you know, I'm, I'm more excited about the game, but. I'm more excited about the jerseys. The, the helmets. Oh, oh yeah. And that. Gonna, it's gonna the suck. uniforms. Yeah. The game is like. Yeah, like this it's, is it's cool this is what this podcast was until the team was playing competitive football. It was just a fashion podcast. Very excited to see these alternate helmets. I'll be at this game, uh, Michael. This will be the I'll, I'll, at this point. I'll have gone to every single game. I don't know if I'm going to subject myself to that Bills game at home, but outside of the Falcons preseason game, I'll have been to every game this year, which is pretty damn cool. I'm I'm excited about that. Um, I mean, I'm spending a ton of money on these fucking tickets, but but it's been worth it. Um. Yeah, I guess I guess that's it. I mean, we'll, we'll be breaking down the Pats game on Friday. We'll watch the All-22. I'm trying to think if there's anything else in this Broncos game we want to touch on. It feels like we're a little low energy today. Um, I guess I don't know. Let's, let's get hyped. The Jets are the Jets yes, won six yes, games Michael. Yes, Michael. Come on. Six Come games on. in two years. The Jets are five and two. Yes, there we go. That's what I'm talking about. Got some hype there. I got I got to not yell before my neighbor starts banging on the wall like last week. <laughs> um. 
All right, I guess we're done. I guess we're five done. and two New York Jets. Five and two New York Jets, Michael. Come on, look at us. Look at us. Five and two. Uh, we're like halfway until playoffs. So look I at mean, us. I don't. I don't want to get ahead thought? of our. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. But if they beat the, the not if me. they beat the Pats next week, Michael, and they're six and two heading into that Bills game. First of all, if they can be just even competitive in that Bills game, I'll be happy. But if they're six and two entering that bye, Michael, there's no reason they won't make the playoffs. I mean, right now they have a whole two win cushion. I'm, I'm worried the about wild card. I'm worried about that Geno Smith game at the end of the year for some reason. I'm worried about that Geno Smith revenge game. So they better yeah, have clinched cool, it. Like by the then. Jets with this are guaranteed to have a winning record for at least at least four weeks from now. They will still have a winning record at worst, and a 500 record or record for at least five more weeks at worst. So that's pretty cool. All right, I guess we're done. Is that it? And, oh, I guess I, you know the only one other topic we talk, we can talk about Elijah a little bit. Any any other thoughts about Elijah and his situation? And maybe the reaction. I mean, I guess I, I I guess I, my I question question for you would be, you know, if he does play, is there going to be any sort of you know reservations about you know rooting for him and like you know are you going to be maybe a little more hesitant? He catches the ball. How you react to it? I'm like, a how's cheer. that? How's that going to feel? Fuck? I'm a cheer. I like the uh, I like the guy who taped out the double O and the R on his Elijah Moore jersey, so it just said me on the back. I liked that. I thought that was funny. <laughs> Elijah has some certainly uh, has to make up some uh, some some PR with with these Jets fans because yeah, I mean it. Yeah. I mean, I Look, got a twenty dollar jersey in my closet. I bought a sh- I bought an Elijah Moore shirt, bro. I, I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna ever wear it, but I have an Elijah Moore shirt. I think cool that. Shirt, uh, it is a cool shirt. Um, I think that he just needs one big game, and then I think people will forgive him. But I'll stick by what I said on Friday. I, I think this the, this situation will be resolved. I mean, it's not a deal. It's definitely a bad look for him. I think he knows that. But as I said to Ravi, this wasn't a rational thing that he did. And so that kind of gives me hope that this thing will be patched over. If it was, if I at least kind of saw his side of things, and not to say that I don't agree with him that he should be targeted more, but his side of like requesting a trade, he's done with the Jets it would be a different situation for me, but it just was so stupid and made no sense that I just think that it'll, I don't know. I think it'll work itself out. I think the jets will patch it over with Elijah. Elijah will have to say something to the team. Elijah will put something on Twitter. Elijah will have a good game. The jets fans will forgive him. We'll move on. That's at least the, the mindset I'm entering this weekend. And also Elijah, I guess he's happy about Brees Hall's ACL tear. I mean, I guess, I guess that's what he wanted. I guess he wanted Brees Hall to tear his ACL so he could get more touches. I don't know. What a shitty situation. But you know, I was thinking maybe like uh, when Brees Hall got hurt, maybe it was PFF George. He has a Brees Hall voodoo doll. He's tired of hearing about it. So he pulled it out. This could be a possibility. Please. All right. Yeah, I guess we're, I guess we're done out of here. All right. <laughs> follow us to see bought on Twitter. Follow Michael Nanny at Michael what? Follow Michael at Michael underscore Nanny. I follow myself, Ben W. Blessington. Go to JetsXFactor.com. Best place to go for Jets content. Uh, subscribe, rate, review, iTunes. Subscribe to Jets X Factor YouTube. I think that's it. Michael, last words until Friday. Hit us. Um, Jets are five and two.
What more Jets needs are, to be said? Jets are five and two. What more needs to be said? Enjoy your week. Another victory Monday. Don't be Best spoiled. road record. Don't in the be NFL. spoiled. I know this game wasn't perfect. I know there's plenty to nitpick, but it's four in a row. They're five and two. Do you remember what last year felt like? Do you remember what the year before felt like? Just enjoy it. Another victory Monday. And the year before that. And the year before that. Yeah, and the fucking decade before that. They're five and two. Enjoy it. The Jets are on top, baby. What are, what are they in the AFC? I mean, out of the wild card whatever second best record second best record in the afc baby who saw that shit coming all right enough swearing i'm out of here also this is you know in my time watching team because i only really started in 2011 so this is the best start fake fan fake fan fake fan how's that i've been through the worst no one has seen a higher percentage of non-playoff seasons than i have that makes me the realest fan i guess that's true but I got in. I mean, even the old school fans, like from the eighties, like you guys have seen plenty of good seasons. You're aging yourself, Michael. I mean, look, I technically have been a Jets fan since birth. I kind of remember some Jets fans with like Pennington when I was a kid. But the year that I really got into it was the Favre year. Like that was the year like I was like dialed in, watching every single game, screaming and crying. Good times. All right. Well, let's hope they can get back to that. Oh my god. All right, five and two, babe. Who saw that shit coming? Enjoy the week, everybody. We'll be back on Friday. Boss at CYJ Pod. Everybody have a great week. Jets win, baby. Celebrate it. I don't know what else to say. Pray for Bruce Hall. <laughs>